so glad you could join us for mornings at YCVC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with Him. So let's get into the Word. So this morning, I want to wrap up our Moving Forward series. So this is part five of that series and this is this is the end of the series today as we look forward to gathering in person together next week. Uh, and so uh, this week, I want to focus on re-establishing community. And as we move forward towards uh, the freedom together, uh, I want to read uh, from Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, just one verse to launch us into that. But also, uh, I want to reflect on that briefly uh, to give us confidence about uh, the future of the church. Uh, So Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 is where Jesus says, And I tell um, tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades or or hell will not overcome it. Uh, and so as uh, this week, uh, I participated in our uh, monthly uh, online pastors and leaders gathering um, of the Baptist Association. And, and someone read that out to us, and I was already thinking of including that in this morning's message, but, but they gave us the confidence, that they, they said that we can be confident that Jesus, who's been building his church for 2,000 years plus, uh, will be faithful to continue doing that, that the gates of hell, no opposition will overcome it. And so I don't know about you, but but at times I'm like, oh, what what's the future of the church going to look like? And, and there's some stress about that. But we can take confidence that Jesus will continue to build his church. He's got this. It's in his hand. And so we can partner and participate with him as we move forward confidently. It's going to be okay. Now, I want to touch on, though, the word that Jesus uh, is recorded as using for church here. In fact, it's not the word that Jesus used because he spoke Aramaic and and this was written in Greek. But it is the word that, that Matthew, as he was inspired to write down this gospel, believed captured in the Greek what Jesus was saying. And that word is ecclesia. Uh, now, technically, this word means called out of the world, but, but it very soon uh, got filled with the meaning of, of assembly, of, of community, of the gathering together of God's people. <coughs> and so that is what the church is. It, is. it is the community of God's people. But when we're scattered and when we're gathered, we're, we're still that community of God's people. But this morning, I want to touch on that. There's something missing if we're not community together, if we're not gathered together. There's something about the fullness of what it means to be church, of what it means to be ecclesia, if we're not experiencing that gathered community together. Now, I think this is important as we move forward, because to me as the pastor, I can see that this interruption to the gathered community of church has cost us. It's cost us as individuals. It's cost us in our mental health and our lives. It's cost us uh, in terms of our connection with one another. And it's cost the church. And I'm not talking about finances here by any means. It has cost us as a community not being able to gather freely. And so we have been blessed to be able to connect online. And I'm thankful for that. Uh, But like I mentioned a few weeks ago, this is like church on life support. It's not the whole body functioning together as community. Uh, It's a little bit like, when I think about that, it's a little bit like uh, FaceTiming your friends and family. And I'm sure through this season, we've all had family and friends that uh, that we've stayed in touch with through phone calls and through FaceTimes or or whatever uh, video calling we use. And that's sustained those relationships 
uh, to a degree, but it's not the same as meeting in person. I don't think any of us would be thinking right now of those loved people that we've not been able to, to see and meet with in person. I don't think any of us would be thinking right now, well, there's no point making the effort to, to meet with them in person because FaceTime is just as good. I think that's a little bit like what online church is like. It's, it's, it's a little bit like it's sustained us for this season, but just as we wouldn't think, oh, well, I'm not going to bother to see my, my mother and father. I'm not going to bother to see my, my, my brother and sister. I'm not going to bother to see my, my close friends because FaceTime's just as good. Just as we wouldn't think that, I don't think we should be thinking that way about the church community. We shouldn't be thinking online is the same. I'm not intending on taking this resource away. I think it is valuable to help us stay connected if we're unwell, if we just can't get to that community. I'm not uh, unthankful for it in the past season or even going forward. But the point is, I want to say, church, this morning that we cannot replace the blessing of the gathered church with anything else. We cannot replace church community with anything else. Because the gathering of the church, church community, is more than the sum of its parts. It's more than a personal faith. It's more than a religious club. It's more than just Bible teaching. It's more than content. It's more than logging in. It's more than worship music. It's more than a social gathering. It's more than a good morning tea. The church, the community of the church, is more than the sum of its parts. And so I believe key to our moving forward as a church our restoration, our renewal as a church is the re-establishing of the habit of community. Of dwelling together in community. And so this is what Psalm 133 is about. It's about the blessing of dwelling together in community. Uh, to refresh our memory, Psalm 133, 133 verse 1 says this, How good and pleasing, and this is the NIV, How good and pleasing it is when God's people live together in unity. Uh, now, this psalm was what is known as a song of ascent. Uh, this is a, a psalm or a song that, that God's people sang as they journeyed up towards Jerusalem, towards the temple to gather with God's people for the festivals. They were gathering for worship. They were gathering for community. And so this was one of the songs they would sing as they journeyed up to, to gather together as the community of God's people. And so it brings to mind the joy of dwelling together as one body. It brings to mind the, the blessing that comes from God when we do so. Now it says, when God's people live or, or dwell together in unity. And so in the Old Testament, this is talking about the nation of Israel dwelling together. But in the New Testament, uh, this side of Jesus, this psalm is still true, but now it references Jesus' church, his ecclesia that he's building. How good and pleasant it is when God's people, the church, dwell together in unity. That phrase, dwell together in unity, today, uh, when I've heard this spoken of, we place the emphasis almost entirely on that last word, unity. Now, now I want to say it's not less than that, uh, but it is more than that. As you would know, I keep banging away about listen to the first message of this series moving forward, because there I spoke all about unity, and that is, that is the foundational key for us to move forward as a church, is that we do so in unity. But this verse is not less than about unity, 
But I do believe it's more than that. Uh, the word that's translated live there in the NIV uh, would be better translated dwell or, uh, or abide. It's, it's a better word to fit both in terms of translation and the context because this, this was about not living in the one place always. This was about gathering up, journeying up towards Jerusalem, towards the temple to gather for worship and dwelling together there. The festivals didn't just last for a couple of hours on a Sunday morning. They, they were week-long, in many cases, festivals of worship. But this is about gathered community, dwelling together. The key here to our understanding, and, and, and as I've said before, I, I'm far from a Hebrew scholar. I don't know anything about what the squiggles and lines mean in Hebrew, and so I have to do a bit of research trusting in other people's uh, uh, understanding of Hebrew. But, but, I, but I, my research unearthed for me that the word together in unity, the, or together in unity, that phrase in English is one word in Hebrew, yahad. And so we can't separate the unity here from the togetherness. This is about being together in unity. It's not just the kind of unity of thought or mind that I could share with someone who lives on the other side of the world, uh, that, that there's blessing in that unity as well, I believe. I'm not diminishing that. But, but this psalm, Psalm 133 verse 1, is about being gathered together in unity as one body of God's people. This is about the gathered community of God's people. And, and this psalm says how good it is, how pleasant it is when we are dwelling together, gathered together as God's people. The psalm goes on in verse 2 and 3 to tell us that the Lord bestows his blessing there. It says, It is like precious oil poured out on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. And so the psalmist turns to two metaphors to capture the, the blessing of dwelling together with God's people, of, of sharing in the community of, of gathering of God's people. He talks about the oil poured down on the head. And this was both an anointing, and there's the reference to Aaron, who was Moses' brother, the, the first high priest. There's a reference there to anointing oil. Uh, but in ancient times in the Middle East, oil was also used as a hair treatment uh, to to refresh uh, the, the, the dry hair and beard of those who lived in that, that dry Middle Eastern climate. Uh, the other metaphor is the Jew of Hermon, falling on Mount Zion in that dry place. And, and so the Middle East, as we might understand, is, is a very dry place. The, the Palestine, uh, where Israel lived at this time, is a very dry place. And so Hermon was a place known for its dew, that it wouldn't rain in the dry season, but there would be a dew that would keep things alive. And, and, and the refreshment that came from that is, is the metaphor that the psalmist is using for what gathered community of God's people is like. Now, uh, so these two metaphors, oil and, and the refreshing of, of moisture on dry ground, is what the psalmist turns to, to to talk about what the blessing of gathering together as God's people is like. Uh, now, one of the blessings I received for Father's Day was a little thing of, of beard oil. 
Uh, so we've been thinking, you know, we have been gathering in person that my beard is looking like soft and lush. Um, if we can thank this beard oil, it, it softens, it moisturizes the beard. And so in ancient times, that's what they used. It was a, a refreshing, a blessing, an anointing. Uh, we know from if we've been part of the church because of Jesus' foot washing, we know that a common custom when someone visited your home was to uh, wash uh, a person's feet. It was also a custom to, to bless their head with oil. Now, I don't know about you, but my social media feeds have been filled with uh, people who, who've taken kind of the before and after photos have been able to visit the hairdresser for the first time in months and, and the blessing and the refreshing of that, the, the joy of, of been finally having their hair treated as they would like. Uh, even our own dog uh, this week was uh, blessed with visiting the dog groomers for the first time in months. He's gone from a very shaggy boy uh, to, to being refreshed with a haircut. I, I remain the only member of my family yet to receive that blessing. But we can also be familiar with that other metaphor, the, the Jew of Mount Hermon. We only have to go back a, a, a little while in our, in our local history to remember how dry our land was and the refreshing of those first drought-breaking rains. This is what the psalmist turns to, to call to mind the, the refreshing, the blessing, the renewal, the benefit of dwelling together, of gathering together with God's people, the church. In straight terms, the psalmist says, for the Lord bestows a blessing there. Amongst his people dwelling together, gathered together in unity, the Lord bestows a blessing. I think that blessing is spiritual in nature, but it's also relational, it's psychological, it's physical, it's emotional. Uh, like I said about all the aspects of church, that, that blessing is more than the sum of its parts. But it is measurable. Uh, I've been reading recently uh, some research studies that, that talk about uh, the better physical health and longevity that comes from gathering with the religious community regularly. Uh, there are dramatic lower uh, rates of suicide amongst those that regularly gather with a worshipping community. There's a 30% reduction in, in depression. Uh, there is improved relationships, not just within the community, uh, but outside the community that, that people gather with, the, the church community. There's improved relationships across the board. There's greater measures of happiness, life satisfaction, sense of meaning, purpose, greater levels of civic or like community engagement. Uh, that can be tangibly measured uh, in those that regularly gather with a religious community, as they call it in, in scientific terms. And, and so the Lord bestows a blessing there, which is greater than the sum of its parts, but it is measurable. Uh, some of what I've been looking at is, is some research from uh, the Harvard Institute for Human Flourishing. This is, this is a, an institute at Harvard University that's, that's seeking what helps humans flourish, have, have higher levels of well-being in their life. And, and so this one article that was published in the Journal of Positive Psychology and Well-Being, um, I, I want to read this. And, and you know, if you're a little bit bored by this, I, I just encourage you to stick with it. I'm not going to read the whole article. Don't, don't be afraid. I'm just going to read a few snippets of this. Um, but I want you to stick with it because it, it talks about the tangible benefits, the tangible blessings Affirming what Scripture is saying is real and measurable today. 
And so this paper, it says, reviews various evidence-based activities that can be easily employed to promote human flourishing. The evidence from numerous randomized trials has now, been, has now established a number of do-it-yourself activities that can be used to improve various aspects of well-being. So what they've done is they've done a whole bunch of studies and they've gathered it all together now. And um, this, this paper talks about what can we do to promote human flourishing. And so one of the key findings of all of their research is that religious service attendance is one of the key things that can be done to promote human flourishing in individuals and communities. And, and so I, I want to read another section now. And again, stick with it because this is such rich stuff that affirms this blessing of gathering as community together as God's people. It says a considerable body of research has suggested that religious service attendance powerfully affects health and also affects other aspects of flourishing, such as meaning in life, character and close social relationships. Specifically, research has indicated that those who attend religious services at least weekly are about 30% less likely to die over a 10 to 20 year follow up are about 30% less likely to become depressed and are over five times less likely to commit suicide. While religious service attendance cannot be randomized and the evidence comes from observational data, research has used multiple measures of religious service attendance and health over time to try to rule out the possibility that such associations are only due to reverse causation. That only, sorry, that is that only those who are healthy can attend church. Even using very rigorous methodology, taking into account whether changes in attendance precede health or vice versa, the associations between a religious service attendance and better mental health and physical health appear to be robust. Other evidence suggests that religious service attendance is associated with subsequently greater meaning in life, greater social connection and social support and a 30 to 50% reduction in divorce. One interesting aspect of the association is that it seems to be service attendance, that's their phrase, I'd rather use the gathering of the people of God together, but service attendance, rather than religious, spiritual identity or private practices that most strongly predicts health. Something about the communal religious experience seems very much to matter. People, of course, do not generally become religious principally for the sake of health. However, for those who already positively identify with a religious tradition, attending services could be encouraged as one powerful, meaningful form of social participation, one that is central to the understanding of most religious groups, and one that also powerfully affects numerous aspects of human flourishing. Of course, the central purpose of most religious practice is not physical health, but rather often some form so sorry, but rather often some form communion some form of communion with the divine or transcendent, which is often seen as the highest good. Given the focus on religious... on re, oh, Pardon me. Last sentence. Given the focus of religion on the transcendent, it is perhaps remarkable that participation in religious communities affects so many human flourishing outcomes in the present also. So what that means is that God is true to his word. That, that when we dwell together, when we gather together in community and unity, there's a blessing bestowed. It's good. It's pleasant. 
Uh, the impact is is far more than a, than a private faith. And it's so not so much in what I read there, but in other readings, it's more than some other form of community. Uh, that's why they've centered on religious community as a thing. It's more than the bowls club, not knocking the bowls club, but it's more than the tennis club or, or yeah, sorry, I'm sports focusing my, my analogies, but, but gathering together as God's people in that church community has a, has a blessing, has an impact greater than either private faith or other forms of community. It is greater than the sum of its parts for the Lord bestows his blessing there. And so key to moving forward for us as a church is re-establishing the habit of gathered church community. And so it's, it's not merely because we should. Uh, I've said a little while ago, we've got too many shoulds as followers of Jesus. And, and, and I'm sorry if I've too often made it as a should, but it's not just because we should but because there is such rich blessing and benefit for us when we do gather. And I believe that benefit is both experienced and amplified by each person who chooses to gather and to be a part of that community. By that I'm not saying the more numbers the better and that's the aim of the church. I'm saying that that when we are whole as a church body, the blessing is increased when we're dwelling together in unity. And that blessing isn't just within the the community. It overflows to the community around the church. The gathering together of God's people is good for all of us. It promotes healthy people. It promotes a healthy church. It promotes a healthy community. It's not about performance. It's not about keeping score. And I'm sorry if in any way in the past I've made you feel intentionally or unintentionally so that that it is about performance and keeping score. I want to encourage you to come as you are. I want to encourage you to to re-establish a habit personally, but but it's also a habit we're re-establishing as a community together, as a group of people. It's a group habit. And and so it's going to be a bit like re-establishing physical fitness. We need to have real expectations. We, we, we aren't necessarily going to be able to go from, you know, the couch to a marathon in the space of a week. There are real concerns for some people about uh, gathering together, both health concerns and, and, and mental concerns. And, and there is going to be stuff around that. And so I do want to have real expectations. It's not about having one big day and then letting that habit fall away. What I want to see us as a church as we move forward is to to re-establish that habit, to rebuild the habit of being God's community, being the community of God's people, of being together in unity because it's good, it's pleasing, it's like beard oil, it's like getting that first haircut after months of waiting, it's like that first rain after drought. It's the place, it's the environment in which the Lord bestows his blessing. And so as we move forward, as we move forward in unity, as we move forward thinking about how we show up in the world, uh, as we move forward uh, together as a church, let's move forward re-establishing the habit 
of being the community, the gathered community of God's people. And so as I conclude this morning, I just want to read the words of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 to 25 as a conclusion. I'm not going to unpack it. I'm not going to explore that. I just want to read it. and, And ultimately, this will be my prayer as we finish this morning to say amen, to submit this to God, to submit ourselves to God, and then we'll... Uh, praise his name in song one more time. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more, as you see the day approaching. And so, Father, we say amen to that. I thank you that you have sustained us by your Spirit and that you've given us tools to be able to connect online through these past seasons. But I pray now that you would re-establish in each of our hearts and re-establish within our church the habit of gathered community dwelling together in unity. May we once more embrace it as good and pleasing. And may you once more bestow your blessing in that gathered community. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in His Word, stay in His love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.